to Mind Crime Lip Show with me, Swinton Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss what is the purpose of sex? Tim. This episode is somewhat of a follow-up of our previous episode on why do people have children. In a sense, I quickly glossed over the, the divorcing of sexual acts from ch- child reproduction. Uh, and we were going to do an episode on why are there fro- so few children since, since birth rates globally, in, especially in developed countries, but also second world post-Soviet and like China have fairly low birth rates. Well, actually, they're lower than the United States, Britain and places like that. Um, the only places in the third world um, that has like high birth rates at this point, which will probably eventually go down. Iran went down as well. Iran's going down. Um, so, so, so as far as the natalism question, I'd say there's quick two things at play. The pronatal people are less pronatal than their ancestors, and the number of people who have no children has increased as well. And my answer for this question is the rise of effective birth control, which is very effective, and it's also cheap, reliable, and it's been distributed. Um, so, so I know there's some arguments to say that they use animal hides and things like that in the past, but I, I really question how effective um, they are. Um, so, you know, you really have to say like like the 1950s or maybe like sometime in that period when maybe 1920s, you really started getting, you know, effective things. And to be politically incorrect or or hyper politically correct, I generally think Richard Spencer is correct when it comes to this. He got in trouble or actually uh, uh, one Christian organization picked him up because Spencer said that um, um, that abortion is just basically people with low impulse controls form of birth control. And I and I I agree. Uh, you know, if you look at it, if you look at the whole process of sex, you know, that's one of the things that the lady in the Walter Block debate said that that child reproduction is the thing that's supposed to happen. Again, you could you could argue over the word supposed to. Um, but like, you know, if you put two horses together of opposite genders of a certain age, out pops a third horse, you know, or rats. You know, if you look at the animal kingdom, um, that's that's what happens here. And if, and there are some anthropologists who identify communities that aren't entirely aware. I don't know how much we can trust anthropologists, but they aren't entirely aware how, of children created. Again, who knows if that's true or not. Um, so those, the quote unquote natural end of it is child reproduction. Like it's not it's not like the accident when it happens, especially for younger people. You know, anywhere from kind of like whenever puberty starts to. And for men, it's basically their whole lives. And for women, it's a good portion of their lives, especially if especially if uh, the average age is younger. It's a good portion of their lives. People die earlier. So this topic is somewhat along the side. Um, this is sort of the basis of this topic here. We've done sort of the what is the purpose of other things episodes as well. Um, so, you know, the sort of inner Calvinist Puritan in me, again, I'm someone who's church secular person, would say, just taking their insights seriously, is that... Uh, uh, people want to have um, people want to have consequence-free sex, and the main consequence of sex historically is children. It's not like again, it's not like an accident. The woman doesn't control it, the man doesn't control it. Um, you know, the only thing you can control is the actual act and when you don't do the act. And since most people can't stop that, um, you know, again, in social situations, you just look at, uh, you know, again, maybe really aesthetically driven people can or, you know, draconian regimes could. But it seems like it happens fairly naturally, so to speak. Uh, people do it. And again, if you look at the past, almost everyone it had lots of children. Uh, it, it was it was almost 
It was almost if he didn't have lots of children, it was a surprise. Now, again, a lot of the children would, of course, die uh, before, you know, one, two, you know, ten. I think mo uh, there's a composer, John Philip Sousa, I think he had 20 children. I think only four survived to adulthood. Um, so, yeah, we see the divorcing of this. So I, I, I think, in a sense, everyone at this point, you know, does family planning here. Uh, you know, as in a sense, even even the pronatal people do family planning. So 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 the, the quote unquote natural reason of having sex is to have children. So if, if you are consciously taking things that inhibit this process, it, it sort of asks the question, well, why are people doing this? And this is where I think the right gets into sort of a quote unquote cultural right and developed societies has problems here. And I'm going to bring up the work of Roger Scruton here. And he has an essay called, Is Sex Necessary Here at First Things? And there's a quote in there, I'll go into a little bit more of it as well, but he says, if sex is just a matter of physical pleasure, then the freedom to enjoy it becomes the default moral position. Uh, and if you really think about when society started changing, it's when sex went from, in my opinion, it's it's arguably when sex went from just purely natural to uh, 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 a thing used for pleasure. And Scruton argues that a lot of the things that, well, Technically, many conservatives today don't complain about it, which is fine. Again, I'm a libertarian, so in a sense, I upfront own up to my liberalism here. You know, I, I think people like Ed Fezzer and Rod Dreher, you know, or these are sort of main mainstream type people I occasionally read, are more a little. Uh, uh, if you criticize liberal libertarians for being liberal, that fine, but in a sense, eventually you you could get the position where something like if it's if sex is just for pleasure. And this is what Giles Fraser it is. He's a sort of a Marxist Anglican, um, popular on YouTube a while back. And he made a position why he defended gay marriage. And he said, well, if it's just about peer bonding and pleasure, well, gay marriage meets that. And of course, as Roger Scruton brings up in his essay about Oscar Wilde, masturbation meets that as well. And actually, it's even less consequence free and some more in a sense. So, so if it's just about pleasure, you know, if it's not for the natural reason of uh, child reproduction, you're posed with that problem. And scrutiny identifies that all these other things were basically downstream um, from this. So I think I think his essay here is necessarily quite good. So that's that's my sort of opening comments here. So Swithin, what do you make of my opening comments? You know, forget marriage, forget family and the farms and their respective purposes. You know, why do people do this as act, especially if one inhibits the primary natural aspect of it, and not only does it, again, if you, if you sterilize people against their will and they do it anyway, they, they think they're doing it, you know, again, you, you might have to have multiple attempts to actually get the child, but but those are all like, you know, you're firing at a target, you miss a few times, and you eventually hit it. That's still, you're still, each act, each act in a way is rational from the sort of human action resource point of view here. Um, so we've seen, you know, people... Again, there are some arguments that people, yes, millennials probably have less sex than people historically did, um, but the amount of protected, so to speak, or inhibited must be at an all-time high here, um, considering the low birth rate. So, Swithin, what do you make of Roger Scruton's essay? What do you make of my opening comments here? Well, I would agree that the primary cause of uh, the lower birth rate, significantly lower birth rate, is contraception, that's clear. Uh, and, and you are right as well, and Rich Spencer is that um, abortion to a large extent, although not exclusively, but to a large extent, 
seems to be uh, uh, birth control with uh, for, for those of low IQ. Uh, the abortion rates are so high, actually, I'm pretty sure the UK would actually be at uh, replacement rate in the absence of abortion. So abortion is actually huge uh, when it comes to so replacement rates about 2.1 depends on child mortality rates and stuff. Um, and the UK's is like 1.7. But if you take white British, it's only 1.2. Uh, so I do think that's uh, entirely I mean, that's a major driver driver although then the question is well, well why even given that being the case do the pro-natal people have so many f- fewer children than they might otherwise and the ones who would sort of traditionally would have not that many have even less uh, those, those are probably a little more, more easy to explain um, so I, I think that um, is largely true on the sort of uh, purpose of sex I mean I mean you can take a couple of well, a few different views on that you could say well it doesn't have any uh purpose at all it's just whatever you make it um although the way the way you described was really seemed to be sort of traditional sort of um well some sort of traditional natural law sort of aristotelian termistic position which is well basically it's a way of having children and that's kind of what the general result of it is um so um, you mentioned you mentioned Giles Fraser and he defended um, uh, gay marriage because oh it was just sort of peer bonding and pleasure. Um, this is precisely the uh, argument that tradcats use against the Protestants uh, who defend uh, contraception because well well if you have contraceptive sex that's not really no different than homosexual sex so you know if if you really think that's kind of a bad idea then you've got to go the full way and you've got to sort of um, no, don't use contraception. That said, of course, it is notable to to, to note here that the uh, Tradcats will uh, defend natural family planning, uh, which in a way, in your definition, sort of counts as contraception. That is, well, you're just going to work out when your wife is kind of not very fertile and have sex then. And with current modern technology, that's actually pretty accurate. Um, it actually works quite well in effectively not uh, having uh, pro well not leading to procreation, put it that way. Um, it might be worth us noting here what the the, the general sort of tradcat sort of Thomistic argument against contraception is uh, as to why they sort of allow natural family planning. Is it basically say that uh, using um, using a human faculty, a human power against its nature is morally wrong? So what they would say is, well, if you have natural family planning, you're not actually using the sex organs against their, their will. You just happen to know that the result is unlikely to re- result in children, which is the opposite of, uh, so they claim, using contraception because you're using it in such a way uh, and putting something actively in the way, either condoms or other sort of pills or whatever, to prevent procreation taking place. Um, so that's why they would defend um natural family planning although whether or not that justifies having small families is another question and in defense of a lot of the more traditional catholics i think ed phase has five children so are certainly on the uh the higher end um, um the, the higher end these days but on the fact of as you point out that non-procreative sex is on sort of like the high highest today was well, almost certainly true uh because prior to i think 1920 was the 
well, 1920s was when the latex condom came in. And I think prior to that, I don't think any sort of contraception methods were particularly uh, reliable. I mean, obviously the pill was in the 60s, probably developed late 50s. I don't remember the exact date. Um, so the question is, well, why are they having sex? Well, it, it could be for pure pleasure, although I do think, as Roger Scruton points out, that I think it a lot, whilst a lot of it can be sort of quote unquote recreational, uh, I do think there is the sort of quote unquote peer. But, well, he just defend. He just say that you you could make this defence on the utilitarian basis that well, you know, sex is just for pleasure, but it has all these additional benefits of sort of peer bonding and stuff. And I think that's that's true. I think a lot of people tend uh, to have sex with those people who who, who they have some sort of connection with. Um, Although obviously one night stands, etc. Although uh, to what what proportion they are of, of the total amount of sex is not obvious. As you said, the millennials might have less sex, and that's probably because they married later. Uh, it, and this is where sort of like the influence of culture comes in. You get the impression that uh, anyone who has who's married doesn't have any sex. It all happens outside of marriage because when you're married, it's sort of frigid and sort of it's all really bad. I mean, that's notable with Game of Thrones, for instance. Uh, nobody really has any sort of um, uh, normal sexual relations with their wives and uh, marriage is generally portrayed in a very bad light uh, but um, if you're not married or or at least common law married uh, having access to regular sex is not necessarily straightforward which is kind of obvious if you think about the logistics of it so I, I, I do think a lot of it is for pleasure and that's certainly the case in the recreational stuff but the question arises to what extent are people just in it for the recreational aspect um and why that's the case and i, I think in general I, I think i suppose uh you could argue that related to sort of like the animal instinct you could argue at least it's common amongst the animals but there is a sense that someone wants to be sort of joined to the other um and that's you know and then that then leads to um well as, as you point out naturally children uh, in, in, in most cases. So I, I, I think it's more pleasure based than it was. And certainly um, masturbation and other things are much more easily doable these days because you have particular a internet pornography and other things. Um, and that's clearly pleasure. That's clearly focused solely at pleasure. I mean, the, the, I, I, it, it would seem or I, I don't, can't see how you could um, put that in any other way. Uh, but other ones, I, I would say that it isn't just pleasure, but I think it is going that way. And I think, as you point out, even those who are sort of more natalistic, um, you could argue that the focus is more on uh, pleasure and sort of mutual bonding than it is procreation. Because if it was procreation, well, then they'd go the track cat route and they'd have more kids. So those would be my sort of uh, opening uh, comments on this. One of, the re- one of the reasons why I brought up the comment about uh, Phaser, as well as the comment about Spencer here, is that if you get into the weeds of the, the pro-life, pro-choice, whatever precise mechanism you want to call it, a debate, one of the things that the advocates of abortion will bring up, the good ones, and I'll see this on YouTube with a number of debates, or uh, you know, the, the internet Calvinist Jeff Durbin will, will engage people, and one of the things that the really good people will bring up, will bring up things like IVF, freezers, as well as birth control. Those are the two this big, big philosophical theoretical counters i've in my head i've 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 found and um on the issue of like like 
that birth, you know, that that like in principle, in practice, you know, yes, it's technically anti-murder, but it, it's it's in a way, you know, it's just in a way, if you don't exactly know when the actual process begins, in a way, it's all murder, you know. Or, well, if it's if it's if if, if of course it's murder, like if you're, if you're just inhibiting the field from collecting seed, what's the difference than just killing the seed in the first week? You know, that's more or less the argument. So so I think it's sort of baggage. No, you know, you know, like you know, there's like do 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 the pro-life people have the will to win this thing? And I think I I'm suspicious of it for that reason. Now, of course, you are right that that still leaves a huge number of them. I just think I think it's worth pointing out there's this sort of level of other action here, which is sort of upstream from this, where you know people who you know straightforward don't want children just yet want to do this act. In advance, know it, and in practice, that that's more like what is actually occurring. People who, you know, are unsure or low impulse control, or don't have access to the, you know, the medication that would prohibit, inhibit it, or easy access to it. Um, so, so that that's one reason why I bring that up there, because because I think it's a hornet's nest that's upstream, and you know, again, almost everyone uses some form of of family planning here in the West. Here, the pe- the only people that don't or the people who are famous for, for not doing it, maybe groups like the Amish, maybe groups like the Quiverful Movement, and they sort of get parodied in shows like um, uh, The Handmaid's Tale. Um, so, so, so you know, it, it's almost the default at this point is the opposite here. Uh, so, so that that's why I bring it up because I think it's a sort of a really pernicious upstream issue here, which doesn't get easily resolved. And your points about um, um, uh, uh, masturbation are are only going to get Setter's paradigm technology will only make this problem even more weird because there's certain I think there's there's a there's an Arnold Schwarzenegger film from like the 1970s or 1980s I cannot recall what its name is uh, but but we're gonna reach a point probably where the pleasure aspect where technology can basically uh, if anything it might actually be quote unquote better uh, you know if you want to talk about like you know in terms of utils of of pleasure here. Um, so, you know, this kind of dystopia future is probably coming here. Uh, and I mean, there are sex doll, uh, 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 like very expensive ones in Japan um, that you like, cost like thirty, forty thousand dollars that like and you start, you're, so this is only going to come downstream. So this problem is going to get more pernicious for the sort of so-called so-called cultural right going forward here. And the Marxists, as usual, have some interesting comments here to make here, because one of the reasons, um, you know, I've been going through a lot of Douglas Lane's work here, and one of the things the Marxists seem to be critical of is that um, they don't want to use sex as a commodity to be exchanged in the market. So there is a certain wing of the Marxists who don't like uh, prostitution for that reason here, because it's commodified. Also, there's a wing that doesn't want the, the opposite, that says, no, we should just commodify it. It's just no different than eating, or it's just no different than sports. So you have a tennis player, and you hire another tennis player to play with here because you don't have any friends to play with it. Why not do that here? And that's sort of like the pro-capitalist line, the sort of libertarian line here um, with respect to paying for sex here. So and I, I bring that up again because Roger Scruton, for his Kantianism, has a sort of certain degree of Marxism built in them here. And Roger Scruton would say, has in this longer essay on the abuse of excess, he brings up rape. And very few people are quote unquote pro-rape. Like, you know, 
<laughs> so this is what Roger Hoover says. Consider rape. On the instrumentalized view of sex that I observed earlier, rape is a crime of the same order as leaning on a woman without asking her permission. It involves using someone for a purpose that could have been achieved with any other instrument, but without troubling to seek her consent, even ignore her in resistance. At the worst, you might consider rape to be like spitting on someone, doing something that disgusts her without caring what she or the other person feels in the very depth of being. The view I have offered immediately explains this. The rapist is not prepared to use his victim as his means. He states her most precious, he takes her, steals her most precious possession, the thing that she wishes to only offer as a gift and in condition of a mutual surrender. He does not merely disregard her freedom, he poisoned it. He removes it from the one thing for which it was made, which is the mutual self-giving a desire. So I again, I think there's a certain degree in which, um, you know, if you commodify this, we get interesting things. If you decommodify this, though, you also get certain interesting things here. So like, like the idea of rape as a crime is a sort of strange crime in the sense that if it's done, if it's done with consent, it's not a crime. Like, so like if I murder someone, you know, whether I like that person or dislike the person, it's still considered a crime. But rape, on the other hand, it's just an act. It's sort of more like a trespass in a sense that if if I can walk into the restaurant when it's open, that's great. But when I walk into the restaurant when it's closed, that's considered a crime here. So in that regard, it's it's much more it's it's a very strange crime here. And then he talks about like date rape, which some would or marital rape, which some would call a contradiction in terms. Just like you know, if if you get into marriage, that's one of the implied purposes. If you go on a date, that's one of the implied purposes. That's one of the things that Brett Kavanaugh got in trouble for. You know, he was involved in these drinking parties and all sorts of other things happened. But that's what that's like, you know, there's a certain there's a certain defense of him. And he's well, that's what's supposed to happen at these type of things in a way, you know, or that's what's supposed to happen in a marriage in a way. Um, so I do think the purpose of sex is an interesting question and it has entails in, in, in all other areas. So, Swithin, what do you make of my comments here on the commodification of sex by or decommodification of sex, as well as the issues of rape here with respect to the purpose of sex. Swithin? It's kind of interesting the Marxists or some of the Marxists um, object to um, prostitution. Well I, I, well, I mean, the interesting thing, would they object to um, basically the, the, the sort of the stereotypes of nymphomaniac who would... Uh, self-give of herself to lots of different men and lots of different nights in no in exchange for no money um i know lenin would um but um given sort of like a materialist view of reality it kind of seems unless you want to make some sort of utilitarian argument against it um that there doesn't seem anything particularly wrong um uh, wrong with that so taking sort of like the materialist view that's kind of strange um uh with that um with um scruton's uh arguments with respect to uh you know, mutual self-giving and stuff and against sort of quote-unquote commodification um i think that is um that is interesting i mean i suppose if you I suppose that makes sense if you take well, well the default position and you didn't mention children was that the purpose of sex ultimately well at least a very very large intrinsic part of it is children then obviously you need the bonding of the parents 
uh, to stay together for the good of the child, which is then in turn good for society as a whole. Um, so it would, it, it's a, I'm sure Scruton would, would, would have taken a similar position to that. And so then it makes sense to um, object to sort of commodification because you're sort of breaking that um, that kind of uh, that sort of necessary bond. I mean, for instance, I, I'm pretty sure in sexual release of oxytocin, which kind of uh, binds the uh, conjug conjugants uh, together in some sort of um, in some sort of way. There was an experiment I read about how basically husbands will find their wives more attractive than sort of any other sort of equally I can't remember how they did experiments, so equally attractive women. Can't remember how they, they 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 determined they were equally attractive and they did that, but that kind of makes sense. Um, um your point on, on, on trespass, yeah, uh, that that is true. I mean it is interesting how how rape is treated as a very sort of terrible crime. Um even though as you point out, it is more like if you take merely sort of the pleasure and transactional view, that it it is more uh, like a trespass more than anything else, um, which it doesn't seem intuitive to most people. That that's the right way of looking at it, which then, of course, would beg will then raise the question as to whether or not the transactional and sort of uh, more uh, sort of pleasure based version of the purpose of sex it kind of brings that into question um so uh, although let me, let me recenter my question on. here let me recenter my question here legally speaking and i think you can get this in and i think i'm basically sound for saying that before a certain year what what many instances of rape wouldn't be counted as rape which is intermarital rape um now again you can be neutral that you can think that's a good thing you can think that's a bad thing i just sort of think that's sort of what it is now whether in practice it was that is a good question but that's sort of legally speaking, was it? And the thing about the sort of marital, like, so like, let me go, let me start from premise one here. If the purpose of having sex is children, and if you have birth control here, you add that in, then you get into these instances here. And this, these, lots of these instances here are problems for a lot of different political persuasions here. Because even Slavoj Zizek will say, there's a certain absurdity about like, you know, before you go out for dinner, you have to sign a 10 page contract about what you can, can't do and who can you know, instigate and, and disintegrate. So there's sort of a weird downstream thing. And in a sense, your point about like, in a sense, universities are in a roundabout way and becoming the most sex negative places. Historically, they might have been very like lots of, that's the stereotype here, but in a roundabout way, for legal reasons, they might end up becoming the opposite here for that very reason here. Lawsuits, people feel are being accused later on and things like date rape. Again, if it's like it, there's, there's it poses problems here insofar as, you know, the human action, you have hu the human action normally, naturally, um, so to speak, is just to create children here. But now we have this sort of added thing of pleasure here. And now we have and we have to add this thing of consent here, which constructs here. Um, um, so, you know, this this shows up into sort of libertarian politics here. You know, Someone might ask, you know, why why are we talking about this? Because I think it's a relevant issue here. It shows up in the weeds of family law matters too, as well. Which again, it's a relevant issue here. I don't think it's an obscure question to ask here, but I do think historically, because I think most women, the, the example of like the serial killer that picks women off the street, that's a very rare example from my understanding here. I think most are somewhat know 
like people who get quote unquote sexually abused know their abuser from my understanding and so far. So the actual example, it, it's much more you know, pernicious area of affairs. What would you make of that? I'm trying to recenter. It's more of a comment than a question. Swithin. Oh yeah, it's it's it, it, it's certainly true. The rape victims um, are, know who their rapist is. I mean, that's kind of obvious. With respect to marital rape, I'm pretty sure that only came as an offence in say the um, 1990s in in England. Prior to that, it wasn't recognised. I mean, spousal abuse and like violence and stuff was, but rape, but kind of the act itself wasn't. Because it was kind of like, well, kind of that's what you you sign yourself in for. And I think that's what a lot of the um, a lot of the sort of campus university campuses and signing loads of documents and what you can and can't do. Um, I think is basically because it's been unmoored from uh, sort of more traditional um, uh, sexual norms um, in that. I, I think if we take and I think as you've mentioned a couple of times, the, the, the default position is, is is children, and irrespective of to what extent you try to play against that, you're going to say playing against your nature. And so related to that, then is that you you kind of want to be on intimate and good terms with the uh, father, uh, even if there isn't a father. And so the whole sort of package makes sense in the context of uh, um, pair bonding and children. And anything that sort of violates what would be sort of an archetypically good sort of uh, marriage in that respect is kind of bad in a way. Um, And so if you and so in a sort of more traditional sort of, oh, well, are you married, have sex? Oh, okay, that's fine, because you you kind of have the, the basis of sort of probably trust sort of financial security and uh you know the, the legal recognition that you have sort of obligations to each other and as you said the family law is relevant here but that kind of provides a basis on which um you know sexual activity can take place in sort of like a a well-ordered environment once you get out of that then it's then it's kind of like trying to have sex with but then trying to uh prevent all these sort of negatives that would arise if sort of like the guy just disappears etc etc and then you get the problems of oh what constitutes consent it's kind of obvious like you get into a marriage you go there i do yeah okay consent that's kind of straightforward and and the consent is kind of outside the moment because that's one of the problems with the whole consent stuff with sex is well w- when does consent go it's like oh can i put my hand on your back it's kind of like, well, it kind of doesn't work like that. Um, and so in a way, having consent outside the event is kind of weird in a sense, because it kind of doesn't correlate with the prelude to sexual activity in general. Um, so, yeah, you do it, Christian. And then on, on campuses, although what I would say, though, about campuses in general is it wasn't most of the men on campus who were getting sex. It was the jocks that were and the sports types and a lot of the relatively attractive women or even the average ones um uh, but the sort of beta male who was nerdy and had a sort of a bad complexion he wasn't going to get anything and that's what you you, you see with the sort of the, the changes of the sexual marketplace is the sort of sort of not particularly sort of plain not particularly attractive 
but you know well-earning mid-range sort of male figure is significantly less attractive now than he was historically because the the advantages he can provide females is much lower than it was because of um because of uh, the welfare state for one thing females can earn themselves in the marketplace um so uh women can sort of ride quote unquote the cop carousel uh with, with the chads and then till she sort of over the hill of Ben's like, oh, I want to settle down now and find some lame beta male who'll just do what I tell him. Um, so th- that's sort of how the sort of sexual marketplace has changed since probably the 60s. Uh, one, of the things, one of the things within that Scruton makes is, and I think this is a sort of standard argument, is that sex still remains, and this is what comments about rape here, and that's also why I brought the Doug Lane comments here, is that um, like, sex remains a, a somewhat of a taboo in a way. Um, but, you know, Nietzsche has the comment about, you know, the idea that no one, there's, there's a myth out there and that everyone sort of forgot the myth. Um, so I think, I think in a way people still talk as if sex is taboo, um, but no one really understands why it's taboo. Now, again, G.K. Chesterton has a great line about, you know, t- if you don't take away fences unless you know why people built them. I think on this issue, that issue is very much at play here. Um, so, so people like, People don't actually believe in the sort of, you know, Victorian myth here. Uh, again, Foucault, who he brings up, uh, who who Scruton brings up, would argue that the, the Victorians are actually a hypersexualized society. And considering how many children they had, they had to be in a way. Um, so in a sense, they might not have been repressed at all. It actually might have been a very uh, high, healthy society here. And actually, even Foucault actually might agree with that. So there is a strange agreement between Puritan, Victorian Puritans. In Foucault here, uh, and actually modern society might repress it even more, arguably. Um, but the um, the amount the, um, the 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 thing that Scruton brought up here was with the uh, okay the desegregation of sex here is one of the central issues I think of our time here. And the question is, will this happen? There's some arguments, as I say, with the Marxists suggest that it will happen. Uh, that there would just be some another commodity, you know, it's no different than eating, it's no different than playing sports, it's no different than manufacturing computer chips. It's just another thing people do. The other argument says, no, this is actually this is an uh, this is an area of 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 human affairs that is that is something else that should be kept aside, that shouldn't be you know done everywhere, that shouldn't be you know uh, brought around. So my question here for you, Swithin, is which track will it take? Now, of course. You could argue, well, they'll probably go both ways here. But I, I, I think in a way the middle ground is sometimes the hardest ground to defend on this. And as I brought up with campuses here, um, I think that the, the one position will be that they'll just sort of shut this down. It'll sort of go back um, to that. And your points about who actually gets it is entirely true, true, true is correct as well. Um, but as far as the two roads here, more sacralization. Because in a way, in a way, rape is not like... If, unless they actually beat the woman, there isn't, there's no physical difference between what it is, you know, especially marital rape. There's really no physical damage, so to speak. It, it's sort of all internal here. Um, so like if you want to decriminalize things, in a way, think of things you could decriminalize here. Um, um, but, you know, you know, in a way also you could say, well, it actually is synchronization. So Scruton has long been a conservative in Britain and rather broader Western Anglo world here, 
who has a lot of affinities toward certain aspects of Marxism here. So which road do you think will happen here? I don't think the middle road, which is sort of what we're stuck in here, is going to be around for very long here. One of the comments Scruton made about pornography and some good cultural critics will make is that in a way, many like advertisings and things like that, advertising movies would be considered rated R if they were done in the night under like the Comstock era. Like if they done before like 1930, if you put certain like modern movies that are considered rated PG. Uh, so some of the better astute critics of this will say, well, in a way we already have, if you're criticizing pornography, in a way you should criticize a lot of other things and just common advertisements and things like that. Um, that's sort of are already awash, so to speak, in the culture. So which road do you think will be taken here about the sacredization? And do you also agree that the middle road is, seems to be the most you know, dangerous here? Swithin? This is an interesting question. Um, I certainly think the way the well, it's interesting about the 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 movie posters. I mean, that's um, been a long time, long-standing sort of objection of the feminists of the objectification uh, arguments, the male gaze, etc. Um, and that seems to be having. Um, impact culturally speaking um i mean uh, in the computer games um market for instance uh players are complaining that basically the characters who were previously quite feminine and, and attractive are now just sort of like really plain and sort of slightly masculine um because uh you know otherwise it would be sexist um so it is interesting to see whether or not uh one uh, one could one could go back as you pointed out before i mean the development of like additional mm -hmm. aids and sort of vr and stuff i think aren't going to go away and that's going to uh, mean it's kind of liberated in, in that sense um so i think that will probably continue but the question is how widespread it would be i still think and i suppose you should argue the middle ground to some extent uh, I still think that you're likely to have um, still have people who consider it should be predominantly a private thing, except for the, for the reasons I've outlined before. You know, it's a sort of a it's sort of like a, a very sort of private event um, and um, has a sort of social significance in children and raising their. I just could, I'll quickly insert a slide here. Interesting, like in, in the heyday of East Germany in the Soviet Union, there's East German bathrooms. And they were entirely public. Like, so you had, there are no stall boundaries here. Actually, the historical Roman baths um, had the same sort of uh, uh, setup here. Like, you know, they were entirely pu public insofar as people would just en masse shower or en masse defecate roughly in the same area with e and everyone could see everything. And again, this Trump also brought up, Trump got accused for locker room talk here. Um, so there's also that, that aspect at play here. But the sort of privatization of all like matters associated with genitalia, I'll say, is an interesting phenomenon here in the West that might be what something unhistorical here. So the comment about the bathrooms is the main thing I was bringing up. Well, I think that's slightly different because I think uh, if you look at those sort of exclusively male spaces or single sex spaces, um, and there was no, it, you've got to make a distinction between. Uh, communal nakedness and sexual activity uh now i'm not saying that that couldn't have taken place uh there my roman history which i was taught taught might know 
um, well, Sean would know, Sean would know, uh, as, as, as to what would happen uh, there. Um, and certainly, you know, in the Roman period, there was orgies and stuff. Um, but the default position was, well, it's kind of like a private matter. And, and then again, on those cases, the, they, they were kind of justified as uh, sort of feast days to various gods. So, I, so the, the back and alien stuff, I think that's I think you're getting the right one here or the Dionysian one in um, Greece. Uh, they were on sort of sacred and different days. They weren't supposed to be the norm. Um, so whether or not you'll get um, so your question about the, 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 the back to the feminist stuff and the posters, whether or not you'll go back to sort of like a position of like a pre uh, sort of 1950s stuff. I mean, something like the Hayes Code where you, I think they didn't allow non-married couples, well, who, characters who were in the film who weren't married to sit on the same bed and stuff like that. Um, I don't think that's like, that level is like to happen. I mean, you also got to think as well, I mean, mean, the image is so um, ubiquitous now and everyone can make their own, um, that... I suppose that you could argue leads to more of a laissez-faire view on what could be depicted, just because more people can. Because I mean, you you couldn't you can't control it in the way you did before. I mean, when film cameras were really expensive, then it's going to be somewhat difficult to sort of as it's much easier to control what's produced. Um, so I think we're going to get a a wedge in who, who's doing it. I, I, I expect, for instance, the marriage rates to continue to fall, and especially in more of the, the classic sort of quote-unquote beta types, to have less uh, marriage than they um, they would have done historically. And that's going to uh, ac- ac- accelerate use of VR and other, um, and other things. So I, I think that's definitely going to happen. Um, that said, um, things could change. A war could change things. That would change norms and expectations and things. Um, now, whether it would change it back is another question. Um, it's difficult to say. Although that said, you know, we, we mentioned before the people who are having children, who would have children have slightly less, and some people have none. You will get to a situation where uh, an increasing proportion of the population who are more genetically disposed to having more children will have them. Um, And then that's then likely to lead to more children taking them. And And then if that's the case and proportionally more sex leads to children than before, then maybe that could re-anchor norms to more pre-1920s positions although uh, just because of the general connotation of sex and actual children and therefore responsibility and stuff could change to some extent but on the way we go I, I do think you'll like to see a wedge of, uh, uh, but as to how the sort of mainstream view I I think it's hard to say, although you could argue we're seeing a, new, a neo-Puritanism with the uh, SJW types, which does seem to 
be something it's likely to continue for the foreseeable future. I find the neo-puritanism on the left as, well, you could say it's funny or interesting, or you could say it's good. Any of those things could arguably be said, because like, if you're against pornography, you should be arguably across the board, in theory. Now, again, you could go to the extreme and say you'd be covering up ancient statues here as well. Um, so so there's always there's always extremes on these issues as well. Um, but but I, I do I do think that the I do think culture in general has changed significantly since 1920. And I mean, if you look at the two technologies that probably did the most, maybe maybe three, it's probably machine guns, nuclear weapons and uh, birth control. Because like if you removed like if you removed if, if suddenly people stopped knowing how to make them. Things would look radically different here very quickly here because just the number of children that would quickly result here. And if you kept all the medical technology available today, OK, which, again, you, if you get rid of the ability to produce birth control, you probably lose that, too. We have a population boom here of such degree that it would be unheard of here. So I do think it's an interesting I do think it's an interesting issue. I do think it affects almost everybody here. And one of the comments I made and why do people have children here is I said that, like, in developed societies, you have to make a constant choice to do it. In the past, you could have sort of just bumble around and you just wind up with married with children. Like, again, if the legal system is sort of like rails, if you think of the legal system as rails, the legal system would sort of force you into getting married. Now, today, there's no there's not even guardrails here, which is why only elites really get or well off people get married or intelligent people get married. Uh, the lower classes just live, sort of live in a zoo of like multiple marriages and things like that. Um, um, so, you know, if you think of the legal system as rails, it'll sort of force you into into what is basically a productive social organization for the. If, now, again, you say, well, if you just be morally neutral on it, this just produced more people here. This just produced more successful, well off functional people here, this sort of system here. So if you think of a sort of social reproduction you're just measuring systems here. The West in that time had a huge amount of population booms. Other societies, not so much. Um, um, so, and again, I think if you sort of ex expand an Unwin's work and sort of think of it like on a more broad-based way, comparing like, you know, which 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 gizmo produces the most, more gizmos here. Uh, so we get that thing. But the the legal rails no longer exist here. And if you add in if you add in the technology here, the natural consequence no longer exists for many people. And if you add in the other things like abort abortion, the natural consequence also doesn't exist here. So I do think that's like the one of the most radical differences of all times. Like like you know if you went back to 1700, I think that would be that would probably be the thing that'd be the most different here. Or if you brought someone from 1700 to here, they'd be much weirded out probably because how few people had children now again they had few children but they had a lot of births and we know they had to have a lot of births considering the death rates and the infant mortality rates here um so i i think that's i think that's where why i wanted to do this episode that's really my final comment here i do think it's a radical change here um so within do you have any final comments or final comments on my comments that's uh, I, I i i would agree that the the uh technological development is the biggest uh change and then and if for whatever reason industrial society um collapsed and condoms and the pill couldn't be produced you are going to see a huge population boom i mean that's well a birth boom whether you will survive or not is another question 
Uh, infant mortality in Ed Dutton argued like 50% historically at certain times. Um, so you, you're definitely going to get way more children because um, for whatever reason, humans are just not going to stop having sex. Um, and I'd like to thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family and please subscribe to us on Podbean on YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the higher we get in the search rankings. And if you'd like to contact the show for any reason, please contact us at mindscryinglibertyshow at gmail.com. That's mindscryinglibertyshow at gmail.com. Oh, 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 oh,